this is Sarah Lemon, author of the Whole Dish blog and food writer for the Meal Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Meal Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at www.mealtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, www.mealtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. It's also available at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food, which is the mobile version. The current recipe on my blog for shrimp and grits is a favorite in my household in lots of different iterations. And in fact, I would be the first to acknowledge it's nowhere near the traditional version that certainly people from the South would hold dear. Mine is more properly called polenta because although I use the medium grind coarse cornmeal in bulk food sections, it's the yellow cornmeal that most often is called polenta. And to my knowledge, and I have discussed this in previous podcasts, it's the white cornmeal that is most commonly considered grits. This classic version often combines some kind of pork product. The current recipe, which is from the Chicago Tribune, posted on December 26th under the headline, Fast Take on Southern Grits Spurs Cleaning Shrimp. (laughs) Sort of detailed my saga of cleaning a couple of pounds of shrimp over the past few days for holiday meals. And this is the last meal in which I used up the last of my wild um, Texas Gulf shrimp. But it, it does call for a ham steak, which is a great use for ham if that factored into your holiday meals. Four ounces for this to a pound of of medium shrimp peeled and deveined. I used bacon ends, which is what I had planned for some of my holiday dishes, specifically a breakfast casserole, kind of like a strata with some sautéed bacon, collard greens, and some cubed butternut squash. The other ingredient in this recipe that is pretty distinctive is shrimp broth. Of course, it also suggests substituting chicken broth, a half a cup chicken or shrimp broth. And you might think, well, why would I use shrimp broth? Where am I going to get shrimp broth? I mean, why is that in the recipe? Of course, it's, it's there to echo the flavor of the shrimp, really brings it out. I didn't have any shrimp broth. I didn't have any chicken broth. So I used a homemade stock from Salmon Heads, actually, that we had done about a month ago. And because the flavor of the bacon is salty and assertive, it kind of tempers that also very assertive flavor of the salmon, which is a, a fatty meat. And certainly combined with the polenta, which is a blank canvas, I often find it's difficult to get enough flavor into polenta. That worked really well. I didn't use shrimp stock simply because I didn't have any left. I actually had made um, a couple of quarts, maybe almost verging on three quarts of shrimp stock for my Christmas Day bouillabaisse, which was a complete success, memorable meal. If you want to check out some photos of that, go to my Instagram account, which is at the whole dish blog check those out. I purchased some lovely, fresh, 
live mussels and clams from the butcher shop in Eagle Point, five pounds total, picked them up on Christmas Eve, and they were just a hit. It was a, it was a great meal, one I'll repeat again with some fingerling potatoes from our garden, some Oregon halibut steak that we had had in the freezer, and of course these wild Texas Gulf shrimp, which is about the best I could do for shrimp this this time of year and with the resources that, that I had available to me. But I figured I'd talk about shrimp stock in this recipe rather than going through the current recipe on my blog, which I often do. Sometimes I dig back into the archives and, and give a little bonus recipe, something that relates or something that isn't even a spelled out recipe in in my blog and stock certainly is that good cooks know this restaurant chefs know this they don't ever let anything that can be turned into stock go to waste that was what formed the basis for my bouillabaisse was this seafood stock that I had prepared a couple of days in advance let that cool down before I added more aromatics to it pureed and caramelized with tomato products the traditional saffron before I finally started cooking our seafood that we are going to eat essentially poaching it in this just briny intensely flavored saffron huge stock that was just gorgeous and it was a year in the making <laughs> this dish was was quite the occasion because I had been saving up halibut bones center from center cut steaks for about a year in my freezer I paid uh, somewhere in the order of $15 a pound for Oregon halibut that was caught in its one day season and taken to a fish market in Charleston near Coos Bay that had basically made a pre-order and pre-sold it to its customers. I was among them. And I thought, if I'm going to pay that kind of money for this kind of fish, there is no way I'm throwing these bones away. So every time I cooked a piece of fish, we picked it off the bone. Because it's a steak, it's a large center bone um, where the, the backbone is. It actually has a quite a bit of marrow, what constitutes marrow for fish bones, and just save those in a Ziploc bag in the freezer all year. Similarly, I did that with shrimp shells. Anytime I had occasion to serve shrimp, and I have mentioned this in previous podcasts, I almost exclusively purchase wild-caught shell-on shrimp I definitely make a point of saving those shells because they're they're not cheap compared with the farm-raised shrimp in Asia that come peeled and deveined that are pretty much a convenience food for all intents and purposes. If you want a really, really flavorful and sustainable shrimp, you need to purchase wild-caught shrimp from reputable fisheries, which keep best certainly frozen with the shells on and of course you're getting a very very valuable product in the shell because you can make stock from it it's not something that you should discard there's a ton of flavor there which is how I made this bouillabaisse broth and very simply I had like three 
quart freezer bags, I would say crammed full of shrimp shells. A lot of them were from quote unquote Patagonian shrimp that do come from Chilean and, and Argentinian fisheries um, that are available certain times of the year, certainly at Food for Less in Medford, when the Texas Gulf shrimp are not available. It's it's not the season for them. And so that constitute a lot of them. They do have a really, really rich flavor. And how this comes together, if you're making stock, of course, is just like if you were making a chicken stock with the, the remains of a roast chicken. Very simply, put your bones and of course this incorporated some halibut bones and in this case shrimp shells into a stock pot with aromatics i like to use celery carrot onion of course bay leaf whole black peppercorns are nice and this particular recipe that i was making the stock for bouillabaisse has a pronounced flavor of fennel. And of course, by fennel, I mean the vegetable that the seed comes from. But of course, we're talking about the the bulb part that you can dice like an onion and eat or very, very finely slice and eat raw on, on a veggie tray and salads and slaws. I posted a couple of recipes back in November, right before Thanksgiving, promoting using fennel in your menu because it's just a, a little out of the ordinary for a lot of people, but just very in keeping with the traditional flavors and absolutely delicious. In this case, I know it's going to use the fennel bulb in the finished soup. And so use the stalks for the stock, which look a lot like a, a stock of celery, a rib of celery, and just cut those off the top. They're the green part growing up out of the white bulb. Add those to the pot, as well as some leek. Um, you can use the entire leek for stock, the dark green part, as well as the white and light green parts that most recipes tell you to saute. The great thing about holding on to the really coarse dark green leaves from leeks and putting them in the freezer is they're, they're perfect for stock, just like this one. All of that goes in the pot. I needed about an eight quart stock pot for that quantity. If you have less, you can use the smaller um, five quart Dutch oven, whatever size you have. The key is you want to really fill the pot, cram everything in there and just cover it with water. You don't want your stock to be weak and diluted. You want it to have as much flavor as possible and how much water you add is totally dependent on how many ingredients you've got in there. So water just to cover, basically, push those solid components down under the level of the water, turn it on high, let it come up to a boil, and let it simmer away. I find most stocks need at least two hours. I often let mine go for about four hours, particularly if I'm home and I don't have anything really to do. I'm just going about my typical day. It's great that way for a weekend project, a weekend just hanging around the house. 
And once you reach the four hour mark for most things, you're going to really extract much more flavor somewhere, maybe three hour marks, maybe sort of the sweet spot, I suppose. I don't time it exactly. I can tell by the smell. I can tell when the whole house smells like a soup stock that it's ready. It's probably time to turn it off. And then what I typically do at that point when I'm ready to start straining it off is I crack the lid on the pot, move the pot off the burner, and let it cool um, for, you know, about 15 minutes at least, maybe up to a half hour. It just depends on the quantity, how hot it is. So um, it's not steaming, steaming hot. You don't really want to put boiling hot foods into your fridge or freezer in any case. And really what I find is most helpful for storing this, and some people may disagree, there's a lot of people who are very insistent that they only want to store things in glass containers, which is great. I find for freezing, I like to reuse the thick walled yogurt containers, Nancy's yogurt containers I've mentioned many times work perfectly. And they come in a quart, which is almost the ideal size for freezing soups and stocks I find. And so I can usually expect to get a couple of quarts out of my stock making. Maybe one I'm planning to use right away if it's just, you know, typical weekday meals and pretty much one always goes in the freezer. How that happens is by straining through a fine mesh sieve, it's helpful to remove a lot of the solid pieces with tongs, transfer them to some kind of container or onto a baking sheet until you can get them disposed of, whatever your method is. I have composting in chickens, so that's where most of my food waste goes to. You know, certainly trash can for people who don't have that option go right in, in there and it's not too hot and melts the liner. And then set your fine mesh sieve over whatever size container it will it will fit on and you can transfer the stock without spilling too much. If it's not too unwieldy, I can often place my strainer just because of the size right on top of a quart size Nancy's yogurt container and just ladle stock directly through it in you know, to run down into the container. You may need a wider, um, you know, food storage container for whatever fine mesh sieve you have and ladle it in, strain out the solids, left with a beautiful, clear stock. And if you are real concerned about a completely clear, non-greasy stock, removing as much fat as possible. You can let your containers cool in the refrigerator overnight is the best way to do it. And then very, very simply in most cases, spoon off the solid fat. Once you have your stock, you can certainly stash it away for a rainy day. Keep it in your fridge to repurpose all week in sauces. Certainly a dish like this, one that's posted on my current blog, Shrimp and Grits. Under the headline, Fast Take on Southern Grits Spurs Cleaning Shrimp. And this recipe calls for a half cup of shrimp broth or chicken chicken broth. 
if that's what you have. So it's it's certainly a great way to have kind of almost like a meal in the bank. I call it like a meal starter to have stock on hand. And shrimp stock is certainly unique, worth making at home and taking the time to experiment with, even if it takes you a while to save up those (laughs) shrimp shells. So give it a try in shrimp and grits to start. And you'll find that recipe on my current blog, The Whole Dish, www.mealtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. That recipe was posted on December 26th. It's also available at blogs.esouthernoregon.com forward slash rogue hyphen valley hyphen food. Thanks for listening to The Whole Dish.